Good evening. My name is Sandy. I am a grateful member of Al-Anon. Uh, I'm never grateful to be on the business end of a microphone, <laughs> but here I am. Um, I have watched speakers from speak from the podium for years and years now, and they always make it look so And, um, you know, I just don't know how they do that. Uh, you know, I've always assumed that it was easy for them. But if, uh, in the unlikely event, anybody thinks this is easy for me, I would like to set the record straight. <laughs> I'm terrified. <laughs> And I never do this easily. But um, I've been taught now and on that gratitude is an action word. And I do this because I am very grateful for all that I have. And also, I've been taught never to say no to an Al-Anon request. <laughs> so, here we go. I've heard that an introvert is someone who can't think and talk at the same time. I resemble that remark. <laughs> so um, my brain is officially on standby, and uh, I have no idea what I'm going to say, but um, hopefully my higher power is in charge of that. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic family. My dad was the alcoholic. Um, he didn't really look much like an alcoholic when I was... Uh, he'd go out and tie one on and be sick for two or three days, and then he wouldn't do it again for months. And, but his drinking uh, progressed because alcohol... Um, by the time I was in high school, he was drinking pretty much basis. But... Um, In order to prove that he was not alcoholic, he never drank before five o'clock, and he never had more than three drinks, never mind that they were 16-ounce water glasses <laughs> full of scotch that he waved under the tap so that they were mixed drinks. But he was not an alcoholic because he never had... But what he was was really angry, and uh, fortunately, he and I got along very well, and For the most part, he didn't take out his anger on me, but I did witness uh, his explosive anger being taken out on oh, animals and other family members. And uh, My role in that family was um, to look good and not make waves, uh, to literally be seen and not heard. And um, I still struggle with vanity to this day because it was so important that I, that I always... Um, the family finances were a wreck. Uh, my parents borrowed money to buy their wedding rings and were never out of debt again as long as they were married. And so there were lots of um, phone calls from collection agencies and bill collectors, and uh, you know I was always supposed to take those phone calls, tell them I'm not here, tell them I'm not here. Um, and I swore that I was never going to live like And so... Um, I met a young man who had goals and aspirations and was obviously going to this. And so I hitched my wagon to that rising star, and away <laughs> we went. <laughs> um, you know, I knew he drank, but everybody I knew drank, and it certainly, you know, looked normal to me. That's what I was to coming out of my family, and so certainly never crossed my mind that there was a problem with that. Um, I partied with him for the first several years of our marriage. Uh, I abused alcohol. 
Um, I think I really tried to be alcoholic, but it, I didn't get it. I don't know. Somehow I flunked. <laughs> I didn't get to join the VA program. <laughs> I, I had to join the auxiliary, but we'll get to that. <laughs> anyway, um, I first became, um, well, no, let me back up just a tad. Um, when you know, I when I first began to really experience consequences of my drinking was after our son was born, and he wanted to get up in the morning and eat breakfast regardless of whether I was hungover or not, and all of a sudden the consequences of my drinking became too great, and and you know thought of course that my husband would as well, uh, <laughs> not so, <laughs> didn't didn't work like that. Um, And I first became aware, really, that drinking had become a problem uh, when we started applying to adopt our second child. And uh, it was very clear to me that if I told the social worker how much my husband was drinking, they would not approve our application for adoption. And so I lied. And, uh, um, you know, I just knew that I had to keep that. Um, my greatest desire at that point would not be granted. And so a beautiful baby girl um, was delivered into our home at the height of alcoholism, actually probably the depths of. And um, over the next mm, three years about, um, I knew that I probably should take those kids and leave that things were really, really pretty bad at home. Um, But I was so afraid of giving up that financial security that meant so much to me after my uh, childhood experiences. You know, I wasn't willing to give up that financial security. I wasn't willing to give up the house or the car or the clothes. Uh, I liked having the bills paid. Um, But I was beginning to have thoughts about... uh, and um, one day my husband announced that uh, he was going to quit drinking and that he'd also been abusing prescription drugs. And I said, drugs too? <laughs> I, I didn't have a clue. But um, I'm here to tell you that living with a dry drunk is the active drinker. Um, all of a sudden he was angry and res- and it was very, very difficult. That um, He was uh, dry for about 15 months and... It was a really tough time, and um, I'm being a little pissy about it, but he uh, will have uh, 20 years of sobriety this summer, and I'm not willing to celebrate until we get to 20 years of recovery. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's a big difference (laughs) in my mind. Anyway, um... But I, uh, you know, I really didn't, wasn't aware of how bad things have gotten at our house. It was sort of like the frog being dropped into cold water, and then the water is slowly heated, and he just keeps swimming. He was dropped into hot water, he'd jump out, but I just kept swimming, and uh, I don't know what I'd have done. But I took a course at the Yellowstone Institute and uh, ran away for a week, and... Being gone helped me realize how bad things were at home. 
And the last morning of the course, um, I was sitting in a dry swamp sobbing because I didn't want to go home. And I realized that that something was going to have to change, and I didn't have a clue what. Um, when I got home, um, my very perceptive alcoholic could uh, sense the change in me. And... Uh, we began to have some really serious discussions about uh, his drinking and uh, the fact that he wasn't drinking but that he was still miserable and, you know, things getting tough at home. And so we, um, we had some really frank discussions for about three weeks and he said, I was thrilled. Um, being the control freak I am, I invited the fellow that was going to take him to his first meeting to dinner just to make sure they actually went. <laughs> And um, and then they left for the meeting, and I sat there feeling so smug. <laughs> Mission accomplished. I had finally gotten him to do exactly what I knew he needed to do, and um, I just was feeling... And then he came home from that meeting, <laughs> basking in the warm glow of the fellowship, and he had a list of names and phone numbers. Oh, my. (laughs) All of a sudden, it hit me like a ton of bricks that I was no longer going to be his sole friend and confidant. Alcoholism is a disease of isolation. It really was pretty much just the two of us. And all of a sudden, I'm ready to help him. And and so I went to the very next available Al-Anon meeting on a Friday, and that was Friday, September 22nd, 1989. And I've been there ever since. Uh, so Rudge beat me to recovery by hours. <laughs> and I didn't go for the right reasons, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, I went because if he's going to have a program, I'm going to have a program too. <laughs> And fortunately, Al-Anon works, regardless of what reason you end up going. And it has been an incredible trip. Um, when I first got to Al-Anon, uh, I, I don't even know how to tell you what a mess I was. Um, but I didn't think I was. I really thought that I was the one that was holding it all together. And, uh, but that if, you know, if it would help his sobriety and if I could have a program too... Um, I'd keep going. <laughs> and um, But I've since realized that when I got there, I was totally focused on everybody else. I spent absolutely no time thinking about myself in any way. I didn't know what I liked, what I didn't like, what I thought. I had no opinion of my own. I simply parroted the opinions of anybody that happened to be around me. Um, the example I often use at meetings is that I could tell you everyone's favorite ice cream in my family. And that was absolutely the way I lived my life, totally focused on everybody. Um, I had a stainless steel exterior that I spent a lot of time in good shape, but I was dying. I'd, I looked pretty good on the outside, but outside. and I was terrified somebody was going to find out about that. And, you know, I just lived in fear, and, um, you know, I've heard the AAs call it a thousand forms of self-centered fear, and that pretty much describes me. Um, but my biggest fears were that I wasn't pretty enough, I wasn't smart enough, I wasn't good enough, uh, that my best was not good enough. I just wasn't and be rejected. 
So I was working really, really hard to cover all that up. Um, Al-Anon was the first place that I had been in a very long time. I didn't have to be anybody's wife. I didn't have to be anybody's mother. I could drop all of the expectations from uh, the outside world and for the first time. And that was an incredible, and it was the beginning of me starting to learn about my um, One of the things that I heard early on in the program, and I, I want to be clear that it isn't necessarily what was said, but it was what I heard, and that was that if I worked the Al-Anon program right, or well enough, or good enough, um, that I could break the chain and that my children wouldn't have to suffer the ravages of the... And so that was really uh, my major motivation in those early days was to keep my children from having to um, have a go-around with this. And so I began to do whatever was suggested. Uh, I went to at least two meetings a week. Uh, I got a sponsor and worked the steps. Uh, I read Al-Anon literature and prayed and meditated every morning. I started setting my alarm 30 minutes early, and I'm not a morning person on any level. I don't like morning. I don't even want to know when dawn cracks. But but I started getting up 30 minutes early so I could have some time to pray and meditate. And um, Within the first three months, I think, um, I accepted the position as GR of that group. And, you know, changes began to happen. My spouse was changing. I was changing. Um, They were all good changes, but it was really, really scary. Allism was predictable, and I knew what... And it was really, really scary. But, um, you know, we just kept doing the deal, and... It just started really getting better. Our home really started to change. Um, Things were going along really pretty well. Uh, But when we'd been in the program about five and a half years, uh, my husband started to be concerned about the behavior of our 15-year-old son. And I thought, oh, he's just an alcoholic. They see other alcoholics under every single rock. He's just being way too hard on the kid. Uh, He just didn't understand. Um, But um, today I know that that was denial. And the denial stands for don't even know I am lying. (laughs) Uh, One of my children becoming alcoholic was the absolute worst thing I could think of. And I didn't want to believe it. But a dear friend of ours uh, called us one Sunday and asked us to come to her house reported to us what her daughter had been saying, you know, that our son was talking about being wasted. And I had to admit that this was going to get to trickle down to the next generation. And we started to confront the problem. But it was much easier to snipe at each other than to confront the kid. Uh, it was much safer to pick it on. And that was um, probably the toughest time. But we started doing um, everything that people suggested to us because I'm really good at doing what you tell me to do. I'm a good rule follower. And so we did family counseling. We did a chemical dependency evaluation. We started doing random urine testing because uh, his drug of choice was marijuana. Uh, and he says that uh, it was 
um, his drug of choice based on availability. It was a lot easier. But he did pretty well for a few months and um, then relapsed again, and we weren't going to be able to prop him up any longer. Get him to go to treatment, and he agreed. He felt like he needed a time out. He, on uh, May 1st, 1995, I drove my son. It was without a doubt the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Difficult. And I drove all the way home sobbing, thinking about all of his using buddies were in school. And I had just committed my son where he was going to be labeled as alcoholic for the rest of his life. And I just knew I'd made a horrible. But um, he did stay. Uh, family week was an interesting <laughs> experience. Um, you know, uh, arrogance is one of my character defects that I still struggle with. But at that time, um, I thought, oh, you know, family recovery for five and a half years. We've uh, taken care of a lot of this stuff. And, you know, he may have issues with his alcoholic dad, but, you know, I don't think... (laughs) I don't think family week's going to be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was certainly in for a rude awakening uh, because I was the one that my dad had issues with. And it was a very bitter pill to swallow when I realized that I had done far more damage to my children than their uh, He was, you know, kind of quietly passed out over in the corner, and I was the one then taking out all of my frustrations on those. So, um, yeah, that, you know, thank goodness for Family Week because I got to, to face that stuff. It's nothing I am proud of. It is nothing that I admit proudly for certain. It's contributed to a fair amount of healing in our family when I began. Also, during uh, that family week, I um, was talking to one of the other parents, a mother. I told her that I was working on being okay regardless of what my child chose to do after he got out of it. And I didn't believe that for a second. I don't even know where those words came from. Uh, I have no idea where that idea Apparently my higher power must have put it in my head because it was certainly what I needed to do. You know, I had been... Um, let me back up just a second. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to deal with a parent's alcoholism or a husband's because leave your parents, you can get. It's a whole other story. Well, he was going to be my kid forever. There wasn't any way I was going to get rid of him. And so I realized uh, when I was talking to that other mother and you know the odds of kids getting and staying sober are a bit is very rare but um, with lots and lots and lots of work I finally did get to a place where I knew at a gut level that I would be okay and then when I looked at back on that later on I realized that I had making been making um, 16-year-old boy, so um, I'm sure he was most relieved when I (laughs) let him off the hook from that one. Uh, He spent his 16th birthday in treatment, and uh, as of next Friday, he'll be 29. (laughs) And that's not my miracle, that's... um, 
He relapsed a couple of times after treatment with alcohol, but uh, today I believe that that's what it took to convince him that he was indeed. And um, he has really grown up in AA since he started so young, and it's amazing. He has incorporated the 12 steps and 12 traditions into who he is, and he's an incredible young man today. He um, has insights that most 50... And today he would tell you that alcoholism and recovery are the greatest blessings in his life. So, shows you what I know. I thought it was the worst thing that could possibly happen to him. And um, he sent me a wonderful email today that I would share with you, except that, first of all, it seems a little like bragging, and second of all, I can't do it without crying. So, (laughs) anyway, he's very supportive. Um... And then a year ago, this month, our nephew um, died of an overdose of heroin. And I don't know why one kid gets to be... um, I'd love to believe that it had some effect that we were both in recovery. But it's a reminder that this is a deadly disease. Uh, That baby girl that was dropped into the the depths of alcoholism is... uh, now 22 years old. She's a senior at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and uh, in December she'll get a degree in integrated marketing communication. (laughs) (laughs) And whatever you do with that, I don't know. But anyway, she's a a lovely young person and uh, called today to wish me well tonight because I've obviously done a lot of whining to my children about having to do this. (laughs) So uh, they both made an effort to contact me today. Um, During her teenage years, uh, I think I probably used the Al-Anon principles even more so than with our... uh, the let go and let God, detachment, one day at a time, acceptance. uh. She wasn't a bad kid, but she just was bent on having her independent lock and horns pretty often. My sponsor reminded me often that uh, she was in my life. For a reason, <laughs> and uh, today I believe that reason was to teach me because we're a lot alike. And I today life is good. Um, most days my insides match my outsides. I don't have to have a stainless steel exterior anymore. Uh, I'm not a rocket scientist, but which is mostly walk dogs at the Humane Society. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Uh, I'm comfortable in my own skin. Um, it's okay to be me. Um, I have a really nice relationship with her. What is bliss? Uh, neither of us is the same person as a result of working these steps, but but the the relationship just continues to grow and get better and better. Um. As a result of working the steps, I know a lot more about myself. I know what I think on a variety of subjects. I don't necessarily to express those opinions, but I have them, and I know what they are. And um, I know today that I don't even really like ice cream. I much prefer sherbet or sorbet, and raspberry is my favorite. <laughs> um, the thing I'm recovering is myself, the me that was lost for so long. Uh, recently at a meeting on step two, um, I was talking about that step two was the hope of the program for me. Uh, the, it says that I could be restored to sanity. 
And the guy next to me leaned over and said, you. and that's my great hope. <laughs> I'd like to thank the committee for inviting me and you all for listening.